Whereas Forrest Gump wasn't dumb, he was just simple. Hello, 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 and welcome to an extra super-duper special episode 50 of Exposing Ourselves. This is the podcast where we expose ourselves to new things. Usually, Travis, a movie buff, assigns me one of his favorite films, and I, a music nerd, give him one of my favorite artists to listen to. But this week, the opposite is true. Don't worry, it will all make sense soon. I'm your host, Matt Runquist, and with me, as always, is my very good friend... Travis Ritchie. <laughs> hey, Matt. Hey, uh, in this episode, we'll be, uh, let's see, I, <laughs> I, <laughs> I watched the movie Dick, and you listened to Hope Fire by Keith Hampton. This is going very well, very well. Nobody this got our, confused. This is our extra very special episode. You know, it's funny, uh, I was worried about all the superlatives we were putting in front of this. Like, what if we want to do something like mega ultra special for episode 100? Then we'll do something um, ultra mega. Oh, I yeah. suppose so. I guess I just solved our problem. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That was perfect. That was uh, absolutely right, perfect. Well, Travis, how was your yeah. week? Oh, it was busy and uh, uh, lots of, uh, nothing new. I worked a lot. Um, today and yesterday were days where I had to, like, bike down to Hollywood to my uh, doctor. Uh, so yesterday I went down for a vaccination and then had to ride back, uh, quickly do, like, a, a, a Zoom meeting or something, um, uh, and then go to work. And then this morning I had to ride down do my, uh, I had an acupuncture appointment, and then ride back, really quick, take care of Coco in between all the riding and things, and then go to work, and then I just got off of work, rode home, walked Coco, and then came to do this. So it's been, it's been a lot, but um, I had two days off in a row, which okay. felt weird because I haven't had any days off for about a month and a half. Yeah, you've and been hitting it pretty hard. I have, and so Friday I went on a hike with Coco, which was great. I haven't been on a running hike in so long, and my back had been hurting me a little bit. Mm -hmm. Like uh, I used to, I've had a, several different back problems, but um, a while back I herniated a disc in my lower spine, and occasionally it crops up as a as a little recurring thing. But a hike is generally pretty good for back problems, um, okay. depending on the back problem. But yeah. uh, it felt great and so good, in fact, that the next day, Saturday, I was able to play some Ultimate Frisbee, which that is I great enjoyed. news because yeah. I know yeah. Ultimate can be pretty hard on the body. It's a lot of fun, but it is it's not very a sport intense. for for you know uh, bowl. It's not like bowling or something where you can just you know which is hang out. more of a game than a sport. Yeah, yeah. well, you know. I think the professional yeah. bowlers would disagree with you. Mm, okay. I mean, you know, bring it on. I'm, I'm not afraid of a bowler. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not afraid of a bowler. And you should not be afraid of a bowler. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sure. I grew up in Wisconsin. I know what bowling's all about. Yeah. Oh, Coco's trying to climb on my lap. Oh, uh, she's so cute. Yeah. Well. Do you want to come up here, baby? I mean, you can be up on my lap for the show, and we'll see how this works uh, since we're on... And you can see Coco. <laughs> you can see Coco if you tune into our YouTube channel, which is exposing ourselves. And uh, you can see our uh, we post this video. And eventually, we'll be doing live streams. So yeah. you can tune into us on our Facebook page at Exposing Ourselves, or where else might we do this? Probably YouTube too. Yeah, probably YouTube and Facebook for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, how was your week, my friend? Well, it was an incredibly exciting week. As you know, I am currently in Florida, but that is only yeah. after briefly traveling back to Milwaukee or to Wisconsin to watch my daughter graduate from college. So I got a very inexpensive ticket on uh, an airline, on a discount airline, and on Saturday around uh, three in the afternoon, I flew home to Milwaukee. Had a friend pick me up at the airport. Uh, slept in my own bed for the night, then drove to Madison the next morning, watched her graduate, had lunch with my family and her and her fiance, and then came back to Milwaukee, had a D&D &D session with my D&D &D friends. Well, fun. Fell asleep, woke up, 
and uh, flew back to Florida. So it was a busy, busy week for me. And of course, we've been painting this house the whole time, too. That's so. incredible. Now, it is crazy that your daughter is graduating college. I remember uh, rolling not graduating in the front yard. Graduated. Graduated. She's done. It's amazing that she has graduated. Yeah. I mean, I remember rolling around the front yard with her uh, when she was four or something. I yeah, don't know. something like that. She was pretty young. Yeah. Oh, man. That means, you know what that means? That we mean, are old. We It does mean, well, it means I'm old. You're not old, but I am for Older, sure. Older. Yeah, yeah. Not old. Not old. Yeah. No, it but. was, and it was wonderful. I got all those, uh, what are they called? Pride? I think it was called pride. Yeah. Oh, I, wow. The feelings you had pride? Of pride and yeah, yeah. parental, you know, good feeling. It was, it like was a, really like wild. A, like the idea that you did a, a job well done raising her uh, to be. A success in her in her goals. Well, and I don't want to take too much credit at all for that. Why always, not? <laughs> because I think that while it's important not to mess your kids up, they are individuals from a very young age, and yeah, for me at least, parenting was all about making sure that I gave her the best possible, you know, home life and yeah. and guidance. But all of the hard work and everything, that all is hers. And she certainly didn't get that to me. I'm not a very hard worker at all. And so, I, you know, I'll take the credit for, like, not messing her up. But she really, I'm very, very proud of her. She's a double major. She graduated with distinction in three and a half years. Really, really great job. Wow. And she's, she's really awesome. I hope if she ever listens to one of our podcasts, I hope she listens to this one because she did a great job. Wow. That's amazing. That's amazing. And uh, uh, these are all things that you couldn't tell her in person, but you feel comfortable telling me, I'm assuming? Yeah, no, I would never say this out loud to her. No, of course I <laughs> I did, in fact, tell her uh, at the dinner and, and also at the graduation the, how proud I was of her and everything. Oh, that's so. great. For what it's worth, uh, if, if Coco is a good dog, I take full credit for that. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, because dogs are terrible. Oh. And so if you... if one is by some sort of chance circumstance good it's obviously the owner's fault yeah yeah yeah. i just you know i i i feel ta like taking credit for the things that um i i you know raise yeah yeah the beings i i help you know if i feed up. you i want credit that's that's exactly right so this is why i think you should have you should have felt free to take credit for your daughter's uh, success well so. i have now graduated from minnesota and wisconsin so nice only only nice. a few more big 10 schools to go and i can have the whole okay. conference a good, full set well good luck with that i have not from either yeah that's true so. that's true that's all right <laughs> yeah it is true yeah college Alrighty. degrees are worthless uh yeah essentially just pieces of paper just pieces um, of paper well, so do you would drop you out like, of school, I'm sure this kids. is all fascinating drop out to the right people now. listening. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to get into the meat? I would love to get into the meat of this episode, but I'm going to make you pick how we're going to ah. switch things up this week. Uh, well, let's switch things up and do the movie first. Okay. So, well, If Travis. you would, please tell me about Dick. I will tell you as much as I know about Dick. It's a 1999 <laughs> comedy with a fascinating cast. Uh, a few people from SNL, but uh, the two leads are Kirsten Dunst and Michelle Williams, who obviously both went on to pretty big careers in movies. Michelle Williams, of course, we saw a few weeks ago in Brokeback Mountain, and Kirsten Dunst was very famously in Bring It On, which I hear you almost accidentally watched this week. And then a whole bunch of other... She was in an interview in The Vampire when she was young, and she's had a very successful career uh, throughout the 2000s and 2010s. So um, these, are, these are pretty high-horsepower actresses. But this is a comedy about two 15-year-old girls who accidentally interact with the Watergate scandal in a bunch of ways. I know last week I told you they were deep throat, but really they accident they're the ones who are responsible for the burglars being discovered. They uh wander through the White House and and interact with pretty much all the famous names from the Watergate scandal. Uh, mm -hmm. I, along with like Henry Kissinger, they see Brezhnev in the White House. They really 
for a while they are it's almost a Forrest Gumpy situation where they're they're interacting with the White House uh, yeah. over and over again and, and influencing history and influencing, you know, influencing history. events. It's not just they're they're not passive. Yeah. So I was. That Forrest Gump comparison was really apt. Yeah, I really just, I love the way that this movie integrates real historical events, good comedy, funny acting, hilarious costumes, hilarious, like, set design and everything. I think it's all uh, wonderful. I really, I really enjoy the experience of watching this movie, and, uh, it did, it made almost no money, uh, I, I was looking it up just before this because I did my research, and it's opening week. It made two point two million dollars on its way to I think making less than ten million domestic overall. It, yeah, I think it six, was six point three. It was total. not a successful movie, but I think it should have been. It's funny. What'd you think, Travis? Well, Matt. So this movie made me think about why I don't give you comedies much because i am very uh i'm very picky very very i don't know a little ornery about my about my comedy like i am a comedy guy first and foremost like i have years of training in sketch comedy and and uh, writing and stuff like that and so i um i tend to be very very uh what is the word that's not not picky but um i don't know um Help me out here. What am I thinking of? Uh, it sounds like picky, to be honest. Yeah, it sounds like picky, <laughs> but there's another word that I was going for. But uh, yeah, I, I so I can. It's challenging for a comedy to be something that really appeals to me, and uh, this comedy uh, did not, despite so many. I want to say interesting, but listening to last week's podcast, I say interesting so much on the show. <laughs> I want to like a beep every time I say interesting so I can get myself out of that habit. But there are a lot of great things about this movie. Like mm-hmm. on paper, it's like um, there's a movie I saw called Insomnia with Robin Williams and uh, and like uh, uh, who was it? Robin Williams and Robert De Niro, I think. And it's in a Christopher Nolan movie. And you're like on paper. All of these things should equal a good movie, mm-hmm. but for some reason it's not. And on paper, everything in this movie should equal a good movie, but it didn't really strike me as um, as fun. It was uh, it was interesting. Like I thought first off that Kristen Dunst and Michelle Williams played the dumb teen girl mm-hmm. trope less successfully than I have seen it. In other places, um, I'm thinking Clueless. I'm thinking um, uh, Mean Girls type of thing. Like mm-hmm. uh, I just didn't really believe them. Mm. Like I feel like they were playing more sketch characters than movie characters. So it was almost too broad for me. Mm. I enjoyed Dan Hayeta as uh, Nixon. I think he did great. He bought he bought everything to the role that he should have. Yeah, because uh, really Dan Hedaya doesn't really look like Nixon at all, but he just does Nixon so well that you find it very believable, even though there's you not... You sit there and, and, you're, and you're like, oh, this, this am I watching... It, it, it was convincing. Like, I, I thought it was, you know, your brain kind of tricks you and is like, oh, this is what Nixon looked like. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that was really nice. Uh, I loved seeing Terry Garr. Right. I mean, I always love seeing Terry Garr, and and some other people popped up that I was that you just don't really think about. Um, I like Ryan Reynolds. This is one of his early movies, it and suddenly Ryan much. Reynolds pops up as yeah. uh, as the kid. Yeah. Um, and, and French Stewart right at the beginning. French Stewart isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Anna Gasteyer as the uh, as the White House secretary. Lots of great things about this. Um, the only thing I really liked, honestly, was <laughs> wow. <laughs> the Sorry. only thing you really liked. Wow. I I was I was I'm gonna be honest, man. I was kind of bored watching this movie, and I I wanted to be more entertained by it, but I it was kind it was more it was more annoying to me than anything. I'm so sorry. Um, but what I did enjoy was uh, even though we've talked about how Will Ferrell often is a little too much in his movies, when he's, especially when he's trying to play real characters, um, I loved 
the the uh, uh, Bob Woodward. Woodward and Bernstein yeah. pair, and I loved that they were playing them as two guys that can't stand each other. It's not mm-hmm. that they it's not that they can't stand each other, but Woodward can't stand Bernstein. Well, I and, mean, I think they can't stand each other, I, and I think that's a, that's actually kind of a long running trope is that they're known for doing all their investigative stuff together but supposedly you know i think everybody is like oh wouldn't it be funny if they just hate each other right you know oh i did i had never heard that but it is it's like two names seldom have gone together mm-hmm. so like inextricably yeah than uh, than those two and so you always hear woodward and bernstein i mean right. i guess um, and i guess and i Bob guess the woodward joke is, is, is that they that they don't like each other right you know. yeah and i really enjoyed that relationship uh on screen uh but other than that even even ryan reynolds who i don't who i who i really like and i thought he was good in this as far as early roles go he hadn't yet gotten to his Ryan Reynolds-ness that he reached in kind of Van Wilder uh, only a year later, I think. So um, uh, Dave Foley, I'm a big fan of. He's from Kids in the mm-hmm. Hall. And Bruce McCullough, who played mm-hmm. um, Bernstein. They're from Kids in the Hall. And I love those guys so much. And uh, Dave Foley, uh, I he, he was okay. He wasn't... He was, I don't know, they had like a, they had like a mouth thing that he had to wear that he had to talk around, like some sort of teeth prosthetics. And there was a moment where he is, <laughs> Ryan Reynolds has one of the girls in his bedroom mm-hmm. and it's in, it's in Dave Foley's house mm-hmm. and he's one of the White House people and he has important things in there that are, you know, sensitive in- information. And so... The girl is trying to. It's um. It's uh. It's the one played with played by uh, Kirsten Dunst. Yeah. So she's got this long hair and she's trying to hide her face. And Dave <laughs> is just doing this motion with his head, and mm-hmm. it's hysterical. Just the way he was moving. That made me laugh, and nice. I think that was the only laugh that I had mm-hmm. the entire movie. Um, wow, that is yeah. That is insanely harsh. Wow. I'm um, so sorry, because I wanted... I was... Listen, I was sitting down to this movie, despite the fact that I thought I was going to be watching Bring It On, and uh, as you mentioned, uh, I said it earlier before we started rolling, is that I didn't realize until I listened back to last week's episode which movie I was supposed to be watching. So, But I sat down, rented it, and I was all set for a nice good laugh and a, mm-hmm. and a fun like romp and um, well and you know what this is know. a nice good laugh and it is a it is a fun romp uh listener i don't know how to i don't know how to apologize enough for travis here like he is the fun police right now i gotta tell you yeah. this movie is the the ditzy joy of watching kirsten dunst and michelle williams just sort of like bubble up off the screen. I find them magnetic. I think they're funny as heck. And the ways in which they like interact with, I want to, you know, all of the white house people, they have, they have no interest whatsoever in like world politics or what's going on. And they're, they're meeting all of these famous people and they're super duper interested in checkers, the white house dog, you know, which is, hilarious right i mean it's it's just funny and they play it really really well and they you know there's a there's an extended sequence where michelle williams who is previously very very interested in bobby sherman bobby sherman is the love of her life she uh she gets infatuated with dick nixon for a while and all of all of the um uh things you know pictures in her room and and she writes in her diary about him and she eventually the funniest bit in the entire film is the fact that she records a 18 and a half minute message to Richard Nixon, which then he has to erase, which is the explanation for the mysterious 18 and a half minute silence on the Watergate tapes. Oh, interesting. If you don't know that, 
Yeah, did you I not know that? I remember that that tidbit. I mean, I, I now that you say it, I, I it rings a bell. But honestly, in the moment, I was like, that none of that makes. I was like, why is this scene here? No, that thing. That is incredibly funny. Uh, because of course Kirsten Dunst has to walk the dog alone, and when she comes back in, she's she very specifically says, "Oh my gosh, you've been recording for eighteen and a half minutes." And if you know anything about the Watergate scandal, that is hilarious. And if you don't know anything about the Watergate scandal, you don't laugh, and you turn. It turns out you don't like the movie. It's um, uh, it, I can see how it's clever. But this movie um, is clever the, in so many ways. I think it's really slick how they introduce all of these characters who are fundamentally like middle-aged white guys. At the beginning of the movie, the the girls show up in the White House and they're introduced to a bunch of major players in the Watergate scandal. And the movie is very slick about explaining who uh, who each person is in a way that does not feel like super duper forced or anything. They're like, Hey, I'm John Dean and, and G Gordon Liddy and, and people will say a different character's name. And I, th- I felt like it was super duper naturalistic and frankly, way better movie making than is necessary in a light, fluffy comedy about two ditzy 15 year old girls. Yeah, that's fair enough. Uh, I, I, I think that though, you mentioned the 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 forest gumpiness of it all, and there is a delight to that that you you it's kind of a rewriting history mm-hmm. you know it's like uh but you know everything you've heard is true, but you don't know the other things and right. uh, and it's like it's actually all this girl you know yeah. and and I like that kind of thing. I'm actually working on a script kind of like that myself mm-hmm. but it, um, I don't know. I just, I feel like Forrest Gump did it better. And one of the ways that it did it better was that it wasn't like in this one, the dog was kind of the catalyst for a bunch of different things, mm-hmm. right? And it's dog realization, dog realization, dog realization. And I, maybe I would have liked it better if it was, um, if it was, if their motivations were more complicated, uh, you know, moving into, I don't know, eh, it just felt a little redundant to have it just always be the dog that they were focusing on, which mm-hmm. I think maybe my problem was it made them seem too dumb. Mm. Whereas Forrest Gump wasn't dumb, he was just simple. And <laughs> I, 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 I don't know if I liked that they were so, I don't know, dumb. Yeah, you know they can't type more than it takes. They can't type more than a word a minute. Well, no, Michelle. And, uh, uh, sorry, uh, not Michelle Williams. Kirsten Dunst. Kirsten Tight. Right. Than a okay, word but a still, you know that's like that's like far and above too slow for even the even the <laughs> you know the dumbest person. Well, but this, I thought that that was explained by the fact that she kept getting distracted. Not that she literally couldn't type that fast, but that she kept it sure seemed like she was trying pretty hard to do <laughs> to do all of her words and all of her letters and um you know i'm focused on my letters and uh i don't know uh, it, it, i get that the other thing was little dumb things that annoy me are the fact that they made such a point that they were making costumes at the end out of an american flag mm-hmm. but then the costumes that they show them wearing couldn't possibly have been made out of that flag mm-hmm. because the stripes are too narrow and the blah 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 and then it's like I'm like, I don't know, just little stuff like that. Just Mm. like, especially since I will say they did a very good job to my eye of, 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 of set design and, uh, Mm -hmm. and, and, and clothing design and costumes and all that stuff. Yeah. So it's, yeah, like like I said earlier, it was the real highlight of the film, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'll give you that. Absolutely. Um, but, you know, Art design doesn't a, mo- a good movie make. That's all. Well, yeah, and I, like I said, I, I think there's a lot to enjoy here that's not the art design. I just appreciate it. I will say I am not a huge appreciator of Will Ferrell, and I didn't love him in this either. He kind of does his Will Ferrell-y thing, and if you uh, in general like Will Ferrell, I think you'll like this, and if you in general don't like Will Ferrell, you'll be like, why has Will Ferrell 
dropped himself into this movie and refused to act at all. <laughs> he's just he's just being Will Ferrell. He's yeah. being Will Will Ferrell, and that and that is appropriate sometimes, but mm-hmm. yeah, Maybe not, uh, in historical not, drama, not in this movie in particular. Comedy. Not in this movie, and not in Barbie, and not in you know a couple things that we've seen this year. Um, yeah. it's funny though because when Will Ferrell when Will Ferrell is right for a role, it works mm-hmm. great. Like Elf, I love, um, and you know other than I don't know. You know, you just had a little misstatement there, but I definitely just realized that I if I ever get a, a sheep, I'm going to name him Wool Farrell. <laughs> Wool Farrell. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great name for a sheep. Isn't it, though? <laughs> really good stuff. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, well, anything else you'd like to talk about? You want to talk about the music at all? <laughs> In in this in, movie, in Dick, yeah, yeah. You know what? Some of the some of the uh, the songs were actually really good. I really liked hearing about that '70s song. Now, the the thought that kept popping up to m- in my head was, is this music timed appropriately? Like, did this song actually exist when this movie is set? I actually know the answer to this because I did research yes, ahead of time. Me. Almost every single one of them was released before. Watergate. The only ones uh, that weren't were Lady Marmalade, which is like six months later. And then there was one other one that was like two years later. But of the 17-ish songs on the soundtrack, uh, 15 of them were uh, were time appropriate. There's nothing, and there's nothing wildly anachronistic. Interesting. Okay, good. Well, that's good to know. I'm really glad to hear that. You you love. That I don't know sort of if thing. I have anything more to All add. All right, you have nothing more to add. Nothing, now, nothing I guess else my question is: Have you seen a lot of other like dumb blonde, uh, like movies? Like, have you seen Mean Girls and mm-hmm. have you seen Clueless in particular? Those yeah. are the two that come to mind. Yeah, Clueless and Mean Girls are both classics, and I mean, I think Dick should be right up there with them. But clearly, the world does not agree with me about this one. Yeah, I don't know. I. I and we know that both of these actresses are very good. Mm-hmm. I think that Michelle Williams is probably a better actress than um, than Kirsten Dunst, but they're both certainly capable. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know why, if if it wasn't an acting thing, maybe it was a directing thing that I have a problem with, where they were both directed to be too broad, mm-hmm. maybe. Okay. Um, Okay. Yeah, I don't know. Well, it just didn't it didn't tickle my fancy, bud. Anyways, sorry. that's all right. Uh so what do you want to rate it? Oh man. Man, me first? Okay. Yeah, you, the uh, person who is the person being introduced to it has know, to go first. I know. The person being exposed rates first. I um it's gonna be below average. Uh what did you what did you rate Spider Man into the Spider Verse? <laughs> <laughs> Because that's my know, rating for this. I movie. I want to know what your rating is for this. Um, it's uh oh man, it's a three. <laughs> I love that you're struggling with this so much. It's, it's a, three. a three for me, and um, I think that's a little. Uh, it might be being generous. Wow. You know, yeah. so before we get into what my rating is for this, I want to remind you how gobsmacked you were about my rating for Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Yeah, this is, this is, I imagine that's what this feels like. Yeah, because I am a good person, I just looked up my rating for that. I gave Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse a four. Oh, I gave it. Wow. A four. Okay. It's, yeah. I gave you, you a chance. You I were have, so. I, if you had told you me, so... I may have given this a four. But it's too no. late now. My my no. my rating is locked in. No. See, this is because I knew that you were gonna. I knew that you were gonna sandbag this, and I wanted <gasps> you. I wanted you to feel how ridiculous your reaction was to Spider Man the Spider Verse rating because <laughs> it was barely below average, and you acted like I had shot a puppy. <laughs> It's it's just that for me that was a that's a perfect movie. Is this for you a perfect movie? No, not at all. This is probably an eight for me. Uh, I think the thing that you maybe are forgetting is that for I had a pretty tough road to hoe here because not only did I have to give you a movie that I really like, 
but I had to pick one that you hadn't seen, right? I couldn't just like well, have yeah. you watch The Princess Bride, <laughs> you know. But uh, you know, I and I don't know what your uh, what your history is with movies, but if you like older, if you like any older movies, that would have been probably a safe bet because generally, like pre Jaws, uh, I probably haven't seen it unless it's like a huge classic. Like I still haven't seen Casablanca or Gone with the Wind or I don't know, you know, anyone. Uh, I, I it took me forever to see Citizen Kane. So long, in fact, that I was like, oh, Simpsons did that. <laughs> Everything in Citizen Kane was a Simpsons reference. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, anyways, no, this is an 8 for me. Uh, I really like it. I have very fond memories of watching it back in the day, and I still do uh, occasionally pick it up and watch it. I do think it's a little bit of an underrated movie, although if you look at it on, like, Metacritic or or Rotten Tomatoes or whatever, it's like a 7. You know, people, people, Mm -hmm. it is generally well-regarded, but not loved i would say yeah i mean seven's pretty good that's a passing grade yeah um exactly it just uh, and and it might have been i don't know why i didn't like it um i don't think i was in a mood or anything i just was uh <laughs> it just wasn't funny to me no that's all right that's all right yeah yeah i wish it was i do wish it was i wish it was i wish i liked it more yeah for you well, for yeah. you and for me yeah because exactly. then i would have had a better time watching it <laughs> Fair enough, fair enough. All right, all right, all right. Let's move on. Yeah, let's move on. Please tell me about Keith Hampton's Hope Fire. Uh, So Keith Hampton is a a folk music artist uh, who grew up in uh, a tiny town called Lake Mills, Wisconsin. And uh, he uh, went off to, uh, he left his home and went off to school in the big city of uh, Boston to go to Boston University to study music. And uh, it's funny because he studied all this classical music stuff, uh, you know, opera and uh, and that kind of thing. Uh, but he really fell in love with the guitar and and songwriting. And uh, so, what I gave you is his debut album called Hope Fire, and it has been an album that I've been listening to since it came out. And I was back in college, and I think the reason is is that it. I guess I was after college, maybe, but uh, I, I love that this represented that success from someone who was my age, who actually made a thing and brought it forth into the world. It inspired me a lot in mm-hmm. those days, to uh, because at that point, I hadn't really done much of anything. And so it inspired me to actually do some creating of my own. And... Mm-hmm. The music itself I find beautiful. Just even listening to it a couple times this week, it starts off strong. Like, when, you know, we talk about how I, I think uh, first songs are really important. And uh, I love this first song. This checks the, the song, the, the lyrics box for me. Like, it's, it's not too poetic, but it's also poetic enough to be, you know, like mm-hmm. interesting imagery. And... Um, and also, it's easy to understand the words. Uh, Keith's singing is very strong in this album, but he also has like another backup singer that he brings in to add a little flavor to it. Uh, it's not all the same song. Um, anyway, uh, I have more to say, but I want to hear what you thought. All right. Well, I mean, I think the thing you should know first is that I don't listen to a ton of folk. I mean, of all the things that I've given you over the course of this year probably the only one that can comfortably be classified as folk is Gordon Lightfoot. Um, yeah. And a little bit of, um, who was the other guy that, uh, we were talking about my boyfriend who ended up being sick, um, from Illinois. Sufjan Stevens. Sufjan Stevens. Yeah. He's yeah, a little folky. I mean, I folky, right. But the, it's pretty different from something like this. This is, Mostly yeah. an acoustic guitar with a voice and some embellishments. Right, which we don't listen to a lot of, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, and that's not usually my jam. I would, if I was giving this a genre, I would call this sensitive singer-songwriter stuff. Uh, that's just, that's not an official term, but that's what I call things like this. And For sure, yeah. Uh, you know, it, it does, I would say it starts off, yeah, pretty strong. Uh, he's... Lyrically, like, I think the appeal of this music is the lyrics, you know, uh, 
if you're not listening closely to what he's saying, I think this can very much just sort of fade into the background quite a bit, um, which is something that you've said a lot. And it's something that you kind of ding things for a lot. So I, I was actually kind of surprised when I listened to this that, you know, if you're not paying attention to the words and what he's saying, I think a lot of these songs actually do sound, you know, pretty similar. It's it's a a male voice an acoustic guitar, and then maybe some light percussion, uh, you know, a background singer. The, the, they're not, like, heavily orchestrated. It's very, it's a very light touch, right? Yes, yes. Um, but it sounds beautiful. Um, there is an aspect of his voice that I don't love, but it's pretty, you know, it's pretty unique, and it's not bad objectively or anything. It's just there's like a gravelly tone to his voice that is not my jam. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, that's recognizable, and uh, I'll give you that. And and I can see, you know, l- listening to his albums as it goes, his voice matures in that way, and so you get a little more of that as it mm. goes. And I'm, I think I'm with you where I do prefer the his younger sound okay um yeah from this album that's maybe why i i like this album more mm-hmm. but uh i can definitely see that yeah but i really like he's got a good sense of melody right these are these are pretty songs and mm-hmm. they sound they sound really good and I, the recording is really high quality i don't know if you know anything about how this was recorded uh or anything but uh, it sounds really good, like yeah. And he's a he's yeah. A it's really... pleasant to listen to. Yeah. And and go ahead. Sorry, I was gonna say, say in my in, in my earpods, uh, <laughs> which are directly piping into my ears. Yeah. Uh, which I don't think I've ever listened to it that way before. Okay. I was able to pick up a lot of subtlety in the in the you know just the little bongos or the way you know the way he turns a note with his voice or something mm-hmm. like that was um, yeah a lot of. Uh, and I've been I've been painting the house this week, so I was also listening through uh, headphones of one type or another, uh, and you know it it is really like nice stuff. I would say in this he's a competent guitarist, nothing too flashy. I'm actually curious how he has evolved over the years since then. Does is he still releasing music these days or? Yeah, yeah. His last album is only uh, I think last year. Okay. Okay. Like many of us, he recorded an album during the pandemic. Yeah. 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 So, um, so there's a lot to like about this. I didn't find anything to love about this. There were a few songs that really stood out for me. Uh, the, the song, my hometown really stood out for me in a positive way. Uh, hope fire stood out. Uh, I think it's called hope fire. He definitely uses the ter- term hope fire, but I forgot to look at my phone. Uh, and I, I like that quite a bit. Uh, and then, you know, there's a couple, there's a bunch of songs that to me sounded kind of samey, right? Uh, this type of songwriter is pretty much always going to address relationships. And there's a bunch of relationship type songs. A ton in, of relationship in, in songs. This. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's pretty typical. I mean, people in their early 20s write about relationships, you know, and people who are sensitive singer-songwriter types typically write about relationships. Yeah, well, it is a I thought a lot about that and uh it's actually one of the things I liked is that perspective on love that you have when you're in your 20s is is very optimistic, I think, uh and very like all of these songs, and maybe that is one of the things I like about it, is that all these songs kind of brim with an optimism uh, towards love mm-hmm. and towards relationships. And uh, and I and I think about where I was at that age, and maybe not as optimistic as as Keith was, you mm-hmm. know, uh, certainly until I was about twenty five and finally was in a relationship, um, and. Well, that's not even true. I don't even know. Uh, I'm not, I guess I'm, I'm forgetting about all the girls that I dated in college. Um, so, but I, I, the first song on the album is one of my favorites, and I've listened to it so much. And I and yeah. I realized that I've actually used uh, I used a couple of these songs in my first short film. Oh, okay. Uh, that I did, uh, which I had completely forgotten about, and uh, so it was really neat to hear those again. Um, 
the yeah i, d- I would agree with you that that first song is really quite good yeah um the last song is a song called bernadine mm-hmm. and i want to talk to you about that a little bit because bernadine uh Tomasek was the name of uh our english teacher at mm-hmm. lake mills high okay and she died uh, at, an, at a fairly early age i think she was 50-ish. Okay. Uh, and she died of a brain aneurysm. And it was very surprising to us. She was that cool teacher you have who has couches instead of desks mm. uh, in the English classroom. And you yeah. all sit in a circle on couches. And you, and, and she's very, and like, she loved the color pink. And um, she bet me that I was going to be fat by the time I was 30 because uh, I used to always bring my lunch in to eat and uh, and have, like, extra, you know how they, mm-hmm. in school they would give bread with, like, They'd put a big bucket of peanut butter, and you could mm-hmm. just have as much peanut butter bread as you wanted to fill mm-hmm. up on. I would, and she bet me I was going to be fat. So anyway, um, that song I love so much, and and I wonder if it was even close to as meaningful to you, not having not knowing who that person was. Yeah, that was probably my least favorite song on the album. Unfortunately, interesting. Yeah. Uh, I just that I didn't connect with that song at all. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, and I've always kind of wondered that, uh, whether that would be, you know, how, how that would appeal to someone. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that one, it does have a little more instrumentation than most of the song. Like, some of these really almost have no percussion at all. And that one has, like, a full kit. And it's, like, so it's a little more up. I think, you know, if I was, if I was like, a producer talking to keith about this album i would encourage him to write and i know that he's recorded a bunch of stuff since then and i'm sure he's done lots of different things but i i think that there maybe could have been more in terms of like pushing like more instrumentation or more like there's a lot of like kind of mid-tempo slow-ish songs here Something that kind of get. I mean, that's the one thing about Bernadine, right? Is that it is a little more up tempo, and for me, it just didn't work. But I, I, but I think the attempt was good, right? Like the idea mm-hmm. of, hey, we do need to maybe get, you know, get people a little more up and excited. I think there, there is. I think when you're young with the guitar, which I am right now it is always tempting to play at sort of slower tempos and, and kind of calmer things just because those are a little bit easier to play. Now he's a much better guitarist than I am. Right. I'm not, I'm not accusing him of not being good at it, but just when you're learning, you do end up like kind of playing slow. And then sometimes that sort of transfers over to your songwriting and, and sort of, I think it maybe would have been a good idea to try to push tempos and, and, do things that are a little more upbeat just to just to shake it up a little bit more yeah i'd be interested if you uh check out uh journeyman which is uh what when i asked keith about this um he said that that was his favorite album of his own mm-hmm. and uh i'd be interested to see if you think that um any of the songs on there are uh, are are more your taste or are also more successful in that yeah. way uh, yeah i'll give it a listen about this the guitar week for work, sure though yeah uh the guitar work on on this, I uh, so you mentioned getting people up and getting excited, and and I, I think that's not at all what this album is for, and, and probably not really what folk music is for in general. And I remember I described um, Gordon Lightfoot as kind of a a massage to your brain. Mm, yeah, like when he starts singing, you kind of get this like calmness that just wraps itself around your brain and goes through your body. And I felt. I felt that a lot with this album mm-hmm. too, and uh, I think that that's probably what it's for, and um, and I think for that reason, I is is probably why I like listening to it. Yeah, I, I like I enjoyed the the process of listening to the, or the experience of listening to this album. Like I wasn't I wasn't like mad that you assigned this or anything. Uh, and I and I get why you do like it, and it, it frankly it has given me some ideas for things that I should probably assign you in the future. Mm. Uh, That'd be interesting to use that as a comparison because I wonder if the reason I like this so much is more because I know Keith mm. and 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 care for him mm-hmm. 
than am a fan of this kind of music. Because yeah, I don't, I don't listen to Tori Amos at all, or or, or you know, mm-hmm. I don't know who did the song that they play in the Dead Puppy uh, or the the Puppy Sarah Pound McLachlan. ads. Yeah, Sarah McLachlan. I never listened to Sarah McLachlan. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'd be curious to see what you come up with if uh, based off that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And all suggestions right. from the uh, from the audience, if you have anything that you think I would like based on my love of this album, or based on my love of any of the things we've listening to, uh, let us know. Uh, exposing ourselves podcast at gmail.com. All right. Well, you want to give it a rating? I do want to give it a rating. Um, so I think this might be right down the middle for me. Like this is a, this is a good solid folk album, but not my bag and not, I don't think there was, I don't think there was anything that like super duper stood out like, Oh man, I really want to hear right. That song. Right. Uh, Right, So this, this one's right down the middle for me. I think it's a five. All right, that's fair enough, and I've certainly felt I, I get exactly what you're saying because I've certainly had that experience with uh, other stuff that you've recommended that is more your type of music. Where mm-hmm. I'm like, this just isn't something I would listen to. Um, yeah, uh, for me, uh, this is this is one of my favorite albums. It's not perfect. There are some, uh, there are a couple of songs that are not as much my favorites like I, mm-hmm. it gets to them and i, I never skip a song mm-hmm. but there are songs where i kind of like wait till it's done you know okay. what i'm saying yeah uh, but there are other songs that i'm just uh very excited i love you know love comes around i think is the first oh, song yeah. and it yeah. uh i just i love the the it it does have a kind of um tempo and rhythm that is almost a little uh mirrored from bernadine at the end where it starts kind of like uh, a little bit faster than some of the other songs, and mm-hmm. I really like that kind of um, uh, that rhythm. So, uh, I'm thinking I'm going to give this a, uh, a, a n- It's funny. I- I'm going to give it an eight okay. because it also isn't the kind of music I would normally listen to, <laughs> but it somehow transcends that for me. And I and I I don't know fully if it's because uh, because I know the singer or if it's just because it's truly amazing so interesting um, so we actually each gave we each gave our own assignment an eight that's fascinating oh okay great great cool that's good well Well, uh yeah well i wanted to say so we did get an email this week uh from a listener named brian wiga i believe and uh i got some we had a good discussion about you and we both uh, decided that your opinions are awful, uh, but we did come up with some really good opinions. Can't be awful oh, because well, they're opinions. I didn't think they could, but then I started doing this podcast with you, and I realized oh, that. <laughs> oh, so uh, you're let's making see. me wait. You're making me mad. <laughs> I like that. I like that's, that. That's that's a joke for our uh, for our watchers, not just our listeners. Yeah, you have to watch exactly. to see to get that reference. Um, so, anyways, he recommended uh, '90s Britpop album Park Life from the band Blur, and I thought that was a great idea. I really like Blur. Have you ever heard of Blur? I've never even heard of them. Well, you have heard them. I'm almost certain. Do you okay. remember the song that goes Woohoo? Yes, okay, got it. That's yeah, that's blur. Now that's not on this album. We're gonna listen to an even earlier album from them. Okay. Well, I already know you like that song. That's called Song Number Two. It's really good. Uh, but that's not this album. This is uh you're gonna listen to Park Life. One thing that I love about Park Life, other than that it's a pretty classic uh Britpop album is that there's greyhounds on the cover of it, racing greyhounds, which I have a oh. bunch of, and so that's cute. Uh, but Blur was one of the biggest British bands of the '90s. They were sort of there were Blur fans and there were Oasis fans. So you probably remember Oasis as well, uh, yeah. Wonderwall, and uh, what's the story? Morning Glory and a bunch of a bunch okay. of other big hits but if you were not an oasis fan but you did like that sort of alternative music you were probably a blur fan and 
This was their first big, I'm not sure if it was their first album, but it was definitely their first album that hit the U.S. mainstream. And uh, I want you to check it out and see what you think. All right. I'm excited to do it. So thank you to Brian Wiga for the suggestion. Yeah, thanks, Brian. Uh, and uh, you all have our email address if you would like to make suggestions as well. Wait, so, are um, you talking about exposing ourselves podcast at gmail.com? I was. Thank oh, you. Okay. Uh, yeah, thank you for reminding me and them uh, for that. So uh, would you like to know what I'm going to give you? Yeah, I do really want to know. After After watching that movie... I'm curious what you're going to give me this week. Uh, well, have you seen Slumdog Millionaire? No. Okay, I'm going to give that to you. Uh, Slumdog Millionaire is a 2008 British film. It's a drama, um, but it's a, um, uh, it is a loose adaptation of the novel Q&A by an Indian author, uh, Vika Swarup. And it's the story of a uh, of a of a young boy who in uh, Mumbai, and in this movie, it stars Dev Patel and was actually Dev's breakout role. Uh, it kind of made him a star because the movie itself was uh, nominated and or won Best Picture. Okay. Oh, and I don't have it on me whether it won. We'll talk about that next week. <laughs> uh, but uh, it's it's Danny Boyle who did uh, a bunch of stuff like Train Spotting, and uh, then he did uh, Twenty Eight Days Later. He did Sunshine, and he he has kind of a very interesting range of movies. And I love his movies for the most part. And uh, then he did Slumdog Millionaire, and it was kind of a big hit. So um, I, I'd like to share it with you. I've only seen it. Once, I think, maybe twice. I remember liking it. And uh, the thing that you probably will be familiar with is the uh, dance song at the end was a big hit. Um, Jai Ho. Yes. I can't believe I still remember that. I do know the song Jai Ho. That was from this movie. And so they do a big Bollywood dance number at the end. Well, that's super duper exciting. Hey, Travis, this episode is going to come out on Christmas. So uh, Merry Christmas to you. Oh, Merry Christmas to you. And then next, our next episode is going to be episode 51. And it is going to be the final episode of season one of Exposing Ourselves. Really? Do we even want to do episode 50? Oh, yeah. I guess we have to. We've already assigned each other the movies. We sure have. Yeah. 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 So, we'll, <laughs> so, so, wait. Episode 50 comes out on Christmas? The well, one we're recording right now? on the 24th. Yeah. Episode 50 Christmas comes Eve. out on Christmas Eve. Right, right. And so yeah. episode 51 will be on the... New Year's 30 Eve. For, wow. Yeah. Wow. All right. Well, wow. Matt, it has been a year. It has been a year. What, we should, what a we should literal spend thing. a little bit... Yeah, we should spend a little bit of next of the next episode talking about, like, the the year in review, don't I you think? I think I would love to do that, yeah. Yeah, let's uh, try to... We'll, we'll speed through some of these movies and music reviews and uh, and cut short our what did you do last week Well, we could stories. also... Do, we'll figure it out, folks. I think you'll uh, you'll really enjoy whatever we expose ourselves oh. to next week. Uh, awesome. We'll Speaking of, Matt, thank yes? you for exposing yourself to me. Well, Travis, thank you for exposing yourself to me. You have a lovely week. You too. Love you. Bye. Bye.